Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our November Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. November's theme is a celebration of gratitude and thankfulness. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Sandy Hart. Sandy is an award-winning leader in women's empowerment and interfaith community building. She founded the Women's Interfaith International Grassroots Organization, SARA, which stands for the Spiritual and Religious Alliance for Hope, the morning of 9-11, an instinct to gather women of diverse faith to protect all that they consider sacred now in its 20th year. Sandy founded and served as director of Charter for Compassion's Women and Girls Sector, served as chair for the United Religions Initiative for North America, and currently serves on the Women's Task Force for the Parliament of World's Religions. She is also the founder of Compassionate California, which recently became established into law by the governor's office as the first compassionate state in the world. Sandy has conducted countless workshops and produced events in more than seven countries. She has presented on panels in universities, global and local organizations, and city and state level institutions. Sandy is presently being inducted into the Women's Oral History Library of Clement College. She's also one of our featured expert contributors for our November Inspirations for Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story, The Mother Bear of Invention, in the Bubble of Quiet Confidence section. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Sandy and I will be talking about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, The Liminal Odyssey, The Alchemical Power of the Spaces in Between. Good morning, Sandy. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Oh, hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted, and thank you for that very generous introduction. Oh, you're welcome. It is wonderful to have you on with me. The Liminal Odyssey is an excellent spiritual educational read, it is beautifully written, it's heart-centered, mm. passion-driven, and the information is empowering and transformational. Thanks for sharing your story, and actually, congratulations on its release. Thank you. It's, the book wrote me, and, and so <laughs> it's still writing me, so thank you for saying that. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your 
live from childhood to the present moment. And by the way, we do have the whole hour. <laughs> oh, so we're going to need it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. That's a great question. You know, I was raised in a um, predominantly white bread community in Southern California. I was raised in a what I would consider a rigid household, and not rigid in a religious sense, but rigid in a way of you are safe if you stay inside the lines. Um, coloring outside the lines is um, is um, not safe, basically. My parents <laughs> came from post-world um, Nazi Germany. Their, they were, their parents were immigrants escaping um, you know the the war in, in Eastern Europe, and uh, and so it makes perfect sense why keeping your head down, staying inside the lines, and <laughs> and um, and and you know this is for me. I was born in 1961, so I was kind of I was I was just tossed into this hippie generation, even though I was too young to really participate in it, and my sisters weren't really into it. It was all around me. And and so I um, have a propensity <laughs> of coloring outside the lines. My brain just doesn't work that way, and and so I've always been kind of butting up against, you know, stretching the limits, stretching the the lines of where those lines in the sand were, which always got me in trouble. So it was, and and I did get in a lot of trouble and detention and being grounded, and it wasn't I wasn't a bad kid. I just didn't understand why we had to stay inside the lines, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. that really, um, luckily, didn't fully formulate my personality. It didn't constrict my curiosity and my. Um, Oh, gosh, that propensity, that's something I could not deny myself from looking around corners and trying out new things and exploring what sounded really interesting and even knowing being grounded on the other side was a possibility. (laughs) Yeah, so I would have to say... um, I would have to say that growing up in an environment, I somehow somewhere trusted that there mm-hmm. was, that, that I was okay. Because my, generally speaking, I did not belong. And I knew that. I didn't belong in my family. I didn't belong in a lot of circles. But somehow I trusted that one day I, uh, I would either find my tribe or <laughs> create one. And I did a lot of creating them. So that's fantastic. I had some good influences, yeah. Wonderful. That's really wonderful. So who were the influences in your life when you were growing up? Um, yeah, so my first influencer that I can really remember was, um, you know, the movie Mary Poppins, which was very popular. Mm-hmm. It actually came out in theaters when I was a little girl. <laughs> and while all of my friends just enamored Mary, you know, Mary Poppins, Julie Andrews, and this very prim and proper magical woman that she was, I was fascinated with Mrs. Banks. 
Mm-hmm. Mrs. Banks was the mother of the household who was always dressed in white and wasn't a suffragist, and she always had a sign at the front door ready to take to the streets. Yeah, she was out there fighting for <laughs> justice, willing to leave her children to do that um, mm-hmm. in the hands of Mary Poppins, who was better suited to raise them than she was because she had a different fight in her. And mm-hmm. that was, and when I, and so perhaps that planted a seed in me. Perhaps I knew that I had a Mrs. Banks in me somewhere. And if mm-hmm. I just sort of, you know, entertain that and held on to her one day she would emerge and yeah she sure did and other um and then as i got into being a preteen mary tyler moore and marlo thomas Mm -hmm. were my models Mm -hmm. these were these were sitcoms on during the early 70s where these women were for the first time taking off on their own this is revolutionary in the feminist movement right women having their own apartments and their own jobs and their father's being, you know, occasional guests on the show saying, you can't do that, and them <laughs> saying, watch me. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, wow, look at these women. So, you know, growing up in the feminist movement wasn't all about just seeing the patriarchy holding women down. It was seeing women breaking through it all. And it was mm-hmm. that that I held on to very tightly. Very, very interesting. And one of the things I look at it also, I mean, I knew because my sister kind of grew up during that era. And so the difference is I noticed, of course, the parents are, are trying to protect their kids. And in hindsight, when you look at it, that's what they're trying to do because they don't know what's out there. Don't be too radical and <laughs> being ahead yeah. of the pack, so to speak. And so uh, sometimes it's been taken a little bit different, right? But in all essence, that's what it is. But the beauty of it, when you flip side, uh, when you flip the coin the other way around, is that you know, uh, be the parent that's supportive. In other words, I'm standing right behind you, and it's sort of that invincible bodyguard. <laughs> Don't mess with my daughter. <laughs> so oh my gosh! And I've got a granddaughter and a grandson, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. watching my daughter do that. Yeah. I'm watching my daughter in, not necessarily encourage them because that might be not right. be who they are, but mm-hmm. letting mm-hmm. them be. As long as they're, you know, they're they're not going to break a bone or there's not blood on the other right. side. Right. And right. where I'm sitting there like ready to lunge and jump and catch them, <laughs> my daughter's holding me back and going, well, let's see what they can do. And That's right. And that is such an inspiration for me. And, and that mm-hmm. takes trust. Mm-hmm. And, of course, mm-hmm. you want to keep, you know, of course, your parents and my parents wanted to keep us safe. And mm-hmm. that there was no malice to, you know, bind right, our right. feet and hands. It was to keep us safe because that's what they knew. That's right. That's right. Were you a curious child? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, but I didn't have the confidence all the time mm-hmm. to ask because I was conditioned to think, not to trust myself, not to trust, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and that's unfortunately a condition of holding back your child. Is you're 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 thwarting some confidence there, mm-hmm. um, where they can learn their own mistakes and um, and explore a little bit and step outside those lines. I've set those lines a lot today. I'm gonna have to journal on that later. <laughs> but yeah, so. I was always very curious, and that showed up sideways for me. That showed up in 
the pictures I would color and draw, I'm not an artist as you would consider an artist, but when I would write, um, and I did have a pen pal, and that's mm-hmm. where my pen pal, who I actually have a whole chapter on, <laughs> um, um, dear Linda, because we've been pen pals since seventh grade and we're best friends still today, 40-something years later. And um, and so somehow that curiosity is going to come through in the arts, in um, stretching limits, the edges of what we're supposed to do. So um, curiosity is really good to foster. <laughs> but, yeah, I was a very curious kid. I just didn't think of it that way. Very interesting, very, very interesting. So in sort of reading the book and kind of getting an idea of who you are and so forth, when did the passion for caring for others come into your life? Well, I was a grown adult with two children. Naturally, when you give birth and you mm-hmm. ha- or you, you, you care for children, you don't have to actually give birth to do that. <clears throat> but you you know you're you're the responsible caretaker of another <laughs> um naturally that oh, that happens um yet for me a pivotal moment for me was when i came into my community building era i call it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. of course i'm caring for my children i was 100% dedicated 100% on you know available for my kids um, and engaged in every breath they took. I, yet it was in the early 90s when some fires ravaged a, a neighboring community. The whole city of Laguna Beach was under on fire. And I heard and I had an opportunity to go down and help. And I called my mother-in-law. She came over, and I raced down there not knowing what I was doing. And I'm like, I recognized something inside of me where I didn't have a choice. Um, And I later learned in my years of getting into the compassion movement that, you know, this was um, oxytocin raging in my bones. You know, this was (laughs) the the friend and befriend, the mother bear showing Mm -hmm. up because Mm -hmm. now we've got a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first crisis that I had experienced as an adult where I just stepped up and said, yes, I get to the place where everybody's helping organize and nobody is really knowing what to do and something in me just took control and I shaped up the place in no time and I had tables organized, I had people doing tasks. I was never taught how to do this. It was just part of that compassion gene kicking in and knowing what had to be done in the moment. It's sort of like when your child falls down and gets hurt, you yeah. you just instinctively know what to do. Yeah. And yeah. that is that that and oddly enough it didn't come from my child skinning their <laughs> knees, you know? It yeah, came yeah. From yeah. A, a community in need. See I would think it it's a biblically in you watching all those years Mary Poppins and <laughs> The other thing that came to mind is, Helen Reddy, I'm woman, hear me roar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the soundtrack of my life. So it wasn't See? really revolutionary for me. I grew up in it. I was raised in it. It was the water mm-hmm. I swam in, so I didn't know any different oxygen. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so when when I, I actually took a, a class in college on um, – 
on the feminist movement and yeah. hearing about, you know, how, you know, we were being kept down and women were, you know, you know, I do, it is true. It's absolutely true that the patriarchy reigned very mm-hmm. severely up until, <laughs> you know, the seventies and eighties and winning the, you know, the, a lot of our, of women's rights fights. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I didn't resonate with that because again, my role models didn't let that stop them. Yeah. My, yeah. my role models rose above it and marched on. They didn't get stuck in it as a victim mentality. Very interesting. What do you see looking into the rear view mirror now? Um, yeah, that I, I probably would be running for political office today had I taken different (laughs) paths. And actually, to be honest with you, I would probably be regretful of that because I think I'm more effective boots on the ground. But, um, oh, I could have done so much more, but would I have changed it? Um, And it wasn't until I wrote the book that I realized, oh, heck no. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. I would not give up one Oh, fatal heartbreak, one <laughs> um, punch to the stomach, one, you know, you know, um, stumble. Mm-hmm. Because those scars informed who I am today and yeah. are part, make up my beautiful parts. I, 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 I don't have any idea what my life would be like. And I'm okay with that because I like my mm-hmm. life. I like where I'm at right now. And I don't know I would, if I would have really said that. I should, let me rephrase that. I am in love with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I would say that, you know, a few years ago before I started this exploration of what I now call a liminal odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, could, I got it. I was grateful. I was thankful. I, I I I was proud of a lot of things I had done, yet I couldn't really get my arms around what it felt like to really be passionate about the life I was living. Very interesting. Very, very true. Yeah. Speaking about the liminal odyssey, when did the concept come into being and what is the alchemical power of the liminal experience? The the concept came into being, well, it's still coming into being, um, but mm-hmm. it came mm-hmm. into being when I sat down to write it. Mm-hmm. I was led to write this book so I could discover this concept. I sat down to write a single story about a wild experience that happened to me in 1982 at the Rose Bowl, <laughs> known as the Raleigh <laughs> Music Festival, which is chapter one, called What About the Dog? And it was a story that was fascinating you know i'd have to retract my my comments here and say that was probably the moment that i really experienced a moment of caring for another but i digress Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter at this point because (laughs) it it didn't really hit me until i you know until i was a young uh, a mother um the when i sat down to write this book which my friends have urged me to do for decades actually um um i kept putting it down because i didn't think i had enough of a story to write i couldn't write more than a few pages because i was writing about that experience Mm -hmm. then i heard this word liminal which 
was a brand new word to me. I mean, I remember the moment I heard it for the first time. And it was described to me as threshold. So I knew it meant threshold, and I knew it was a very clunky word to say. But, but it woke up a part of me, and I started thinking about it. What, what does it mean by the threshold? So I started investigating it. And I learned that architects use this word um, to describe a hallway or a staircase mm-hmm. You know, um, or in or in a park when they're designing a park area or a shopping center, it's not this space. It's what we do in that space. How do we live in that space? How do we navigate that space? Um, it's it's described also as the space between crisis and action, the limit and choice. And or I should say, I describe it in that way. And so that space can be. A, you know, uh, a, a hallway, it could, and, and the choice we make and where we go, and it could be a moment of crisis in how we respond. And so I'm like, okay, what was the liminal space going on inside of me when I heard this call to action and I responded and started to chant, what about the dog? And I started really diving deep into that moment. So what was just a moment I had completely not given any consideration to became a wide open gaping journey for me. What made, you know, <laughs> like your question, what, where did that come from? What was the seed that was planted at one time that started to sprout that moment? And, and just, in, you were the one to start a chant amongst a hundred thousand people that lasted all day. And before I knew it, not only did I have one story fully, you know, written with, mm-hmm. uh, I started writing about the condition of the sacred art of listening, which is something I had learned. I, 11 more stories poured out of me and 11 more conditions of skills or methodologies or, um, or science or, or tools or theories that I had learned to help me navigate those stories in my life. So I wrote about those. And that is the uh, cadence of the book. The cadence of the liminal odyssey is story followed by the experience of finding out about the lesson I learned to navigate that story and giving full credit to the theorist, the scientist, (laughs) the, the ascended master, what have you that taught me that skill in most cases firsthand. So the concept, the liminal odyssey, emerged when I started looking at those skills separately from the stories. I'm like, okay, what is it about these skills that are necessary for me to navigate? And this is my personal journey, my story, but at the same time I'm writing it with my readers, as my accountability Mm -hmm. partners. You know, and I so in that I had to be absolutely in my integrity. I had to be impeccable. I had to be honest. I had to be vulnerable. <laughs> and so, um, and so in that way, it's it's like a diary that you know, you my listeners, you my readers, I should say, soon to be listeners because my audiobook's coming out. You my readers, hopefully, are reading this through the lens of your own life. So the liminal odyssey is really what happens when we look at our life through the lens of all of our stories and 
all of the skills and the treasures and the gifts and the heartbreaks that have been given to us. And what is that story? And when we do that, when we pause in that liminal space, we discover the alchemical power of our story. We alchemize our story. We can take any mundane story that has happened to us in our life, like this crazy story that happened to me at the, you know, no nukes rally, <laughs> or sitting on the beach and, you know, experiencing what I experienced in chapter, oh, now I'm on the, I put myself on the spot, let's say five, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> um, and what really was that about? What am I really supposed to learn about that? And watch your mundane story turn miraculous, and you mm-hmm. fall in love with your life in that way. Mm-hmm. I get so I'm, I'm completely covered in chills right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that is in a mouthful mm-hmm. how we alchemize the power of those liminal spaces. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, in understanding the concept that you put out, I thought this is very interesting because I talk about for myself where I talk about, and if you think about it, right? So through connections, are made during the silence in between conversations. Okay? So you have somebody said something and then, you know, the banter back and forth, that's fine. But then in all actuality, true connections are made during the silence in between conversations. And so with the liminal odyssey, the beauty of it is that, okay, I've got this problem right here. And how do I get over here? Is that mindfulness of within that moment in that space, like you say, in between. (laughs) And that's where we go through the whole process, the processing of it, because that's what we process in that conversation uh, for the connection, right? Do I want? No, maybe he or she, uh uh-huh, yeah. What does that process happen is in between the conversations. Oh gosh, yes. Let's talk about the sacred art of listening <laughs> and the spaces in between. And yeah. that is actually one of the skills that I learned that mm-hmm. I talk about in chapter one about pausing for reflection, pausing for understanding, yeah. pausing for um respect for what was just said because so mm-hmm. often and I wow this hit home for me because this was a shadow side of me and yeah. it was part of like you said that banter I always felt mm-hmm. like there is intelligent conversation if you can carry on a conversation and just be witty <laughs> and banter right away and what that condition has done for us and by the way this is part of the patriarchal and when I talk about patriarchy I don't talk about a gender specific condition yes this is something women and men alike are perpetuate. And it's the fact that, you know, what does it mean to really, how are we appearing in the world? And so what happens when we slow down to the sound of awe and wonder about not just what's happening around us in that liminal space, but what someone is saying to us mm-hmm. in that timefulness? The Japanese concept of ma speaks to this. Mm-hmm. Ma is... Um, depicted as a, in an ideogram, um, the Japanese concept of ma, 
as negative space. It's silence and another example of, you know, what I call, I've coined this term, Mm -hmm. mindfulness. And it's depicted as the sun between two gates, which, you know, imagine the the enlightenment between here and there. Um, It also is, the, the, not the silence that it's the silence that connects people like you said which mm-hmm. I just love how you put that it's known as the silence that connects the the, the notes and music it's mm-hmm. the depth of our bow when we bow to someone and the intention and the time and the depth to show respect um, and it's full and of abundance of energy and we would be really well served if we get comfortable in that silence because I call it uncomfortable silence but it, mm-hmm. the more you practice it and okay the, the threat is somebody's going to jump in and say something before you can well <laughs> you know well, I feel yeah, like well, they're lost well the beauty what to me what triggers it is that when you listen in to learn right and we talk about curiosity in the beginning. Curiosity motivates you to listen to learn versus listen listening in anticipation to reply. That's two yeah. different things. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. It really is. And so we have operated in this assumption otherwise. It's mm-hmm. subtle and it's something to pay attention to. Attention is a bonding agent for, mm-hmm. for um, attention and awareness, questioning assumptions. These are bonding agents right. for changing up some of these simple behaviors in our world that make all the difference. Let's, I, I think it's so critical right now, the work you are doing um, and, and bringing information to, to parents of children we are, they are the ancestors of our future. What are we going to learn from them? And mm-hmm. what they're going to teach is largely dependent and informed by what we, the patterns we live in. They're watching us. Right. So if you don't right. do it for yourself, do it for your children in the next <laughs> seven generations. Well, what happens is that the you can't create order without creating disorder, obviously, somewhere else. We live in a closed mm-hmm. system, and we have to be aware of that. For example, generations, so to speak, you talk about generations of um, grandmothers and so forth with the indigenous group and, and everything else, and up to maybe perhaps generations to our mom's time and grandmother's time, right? Uh, women mm-hmm. are more predominantly at home. They are the CEO and COO at home, right? And the funny thing about that, that has not changed. But what changes is that now they actually have more responsibilities. They are out and about and so forth, but it's that's got nothing to do with it. It's the quality of time versus the quantity of time spent that makes a difference. Because uh, if we can make our computers more efficient, <laughs> we can make our life more efficient. Because it's not the quantity of time; it's the quality of time. So that comes back uh, from the standpoint of uh, we have a sense of awareness. What are the priorities? For example, when I talk, I talk about. You cannot outsource soft skills. You cannot outsource values. You can outsource chemistry. You can outsource quadratic equation. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. You don't have to be, uh, you know, a scholar to do that. Uh, I, I look at it from my mom's perspective. What's very interesting was uh, when she was old enough, it was Kitchen 101. But I can tell you one thing. She knows the alphabet. She knows what an A looks like, what a B looks like, what a C looks like, what the D looks like. She couldn't care less what E is. She knows what an F looks like, and then she forget all the other alphabets because it's not important. (laughs) (laughs) When I show up at home or my sister show up at home, she wants to see that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's so simplistic in some ways because we have a lot of people say, oh, I'm not qualified for this. I, I, I need to outsource it. No. There's certain things in life you don't outsource. And right. that's yeah. the essence of that coming back to the tapping into our, for lack of a better term, you know, our genius zone and so forth. And we all have it. And your book, when we talk about the liminal Aussie, the space in between, is the it's that self-empowerment to say, hey, we can go through this process of analyzing everything and put it all together. Yeah, and and think of it as an odyssey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Approach it with curiosity, awe, yes. and wonder. And, yes. know, and be okay with not knowing it all. That was, That's right. for me, a huge issue raising children. You know, and trusting other models that I just trusted, even though they didn't appeal to my higher senses, because I Mm -hmm. wasn't in touch with those, or not in touch, I didn't trust them. Mm -hmm. So, what again? Another thing I love about what you're offering into the world, and with your with this magazine and with these conversations, is that yes, there. That you're providing inspiration and models, and and they're they're varied and dynamic, and so it it is informative. It does help, yet um, trust really what works for you and your family and your mm-hmm. child at whatever level they're at. Um, well, I'm I'm being I'm facetious. Thinking. Think about it. When we were growing up, right? Who is God to us? Our parents. What they say. You know, oh, everything right. is right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think yeah. the biggest disservice I ever gave to my kids was um, having to be, never admitting when I was wrong or, yeah. <laughs> or you know, you know, transversely, you know, mm-hmm. it was what got me up on skis because I know my kids were in the boat watching and I couldn't stop <laughs> now. I couldn't give up. <laughs> you know? There you go. No there you go. How watching me and a lot of well I should say everything I did I did because I knew my kids were watching me but right. I went so transversely I was really strong in that area which created other conditions that they're probably going to need mm-hmm. therapy for but um, <laughs> you know, but, um, but that humanness um, yes. um, you know mother knows best I was just perpetuating mm-hmm. that patriarchy I mentioned earlier right right and the, again, it's the whole concept of the understanding, and that's that synergy, that beautiful synergy that is going on. And what's the beauty of it, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I guess, the, my understanding of the liminal odyssey is that, is that taking that time 
in between that quiet moment and you have the ability to process everything and it's good. It's empowering. Yeah. It's our privilege. Mm -hmm. We have the privilege. No -hmm. matter what conditions you live in, no matter what country or what freedoms you have, you have privilege over your thoughts. You have agency Mm -hmm. over your thoughts. I should say Mm -hmm. we have agency over our thoughts. (laughs) You know, I'm a white woman of privilege. Um, I take that for granted. And then I realized, well, wait, nobody can get inside our head. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is also how we shape culture. Our thoughts are mm-hmm. so powerful. I, you know, mm-hmm. our thought, we create a reality with our thoughts. And we're teaching, again, our next seven generations that. And I'm so grateful you brought up our ancestors and our grandmothers. Um, <laughs> great-grandmother Mary Lyons, I asked her once, how do you, why do you call yourself great-grandmother when all the other indigenous grandmothers just leave it a grandmother? Or yeah. elder, but they refer to grand, I'm referring to the grandmothers. And she said, Be, take your two fingers and put them on the pulse of your neck and feel your pulse. In that pulse are the last are the are the last seven generations and the next seven generations. And you are the bridge between the the two. And that got me thinking about my responsibility. Okay, what did my grandmothers wish for me? What mm-hmm. did they wish me to learn from? Did they want me to carry on the same behavior traits and trauma and, um, and, and, and problems that they had? Did they want me to learn from them? And what am I expecting of my next seven generations? Therein lies our responsibility and our privilege. And that all happens in our mind. Mm-hmm. It all happens mm-hmm. in our thoughts. So true. It's So true. Yeah. And then those thoughts are simply accessed by slowing to the sound of, or the speed of on wonder. <laughs> it's that simple. It's really that, and it takes practice. It, it's, oh, very we much can so. retrain our brain. Yeah, neuroplasticity. We can practice becoming aware. We can practice yes. slowing down. Right. Just by practicing five times a day, seven days a well, week, for 21 that days. Brings me to, that brings me to... Please share the development process of the 12 skills you talk about in the book. Um, yeah, the, the development process. So the skills that I discovered in my life, which mm-hmm. may resonate with you, um, are, um, and not limited to, but basically the understanding the art of listening paying attention to timefulness, recognizing the sacrifice and the bliss of forgiveness, remembering our relationship to nature. Oh, women, please remember we (laughs) are nature. Our womb is our power source. It is our world's most powerful ecosystem. I'm sorry, I'm getting full body again. Um, (laughs) Practice cultivating synchronicities. You know, notice Mm -hmm. this is part of the awareness, noticing things. The more you practice awareness, you're going to discover synchronicities more and more. I find them all day long. It's so much fun to just, and this is a condition. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and then um, coming into relationship with your archetype, 
is recognizing who's really in charge in any given moment. And it can we can shift from moment to moment. And I use the archetype of maiden, mother, and crone, which is known as the triple goddess. But mm-hmm. there's a plethora of, of recognizing your personality type and really honoring that. You know, don't try, don't, we beat ourselves up for being a certain way. It's like, oh, no, that's yeah. just the mother, you know, condition in charge. And that's okay. <laughs> um, and I have access to these other ways of looking at things. Practicing impeccability and grace. I think this is really important. And I think we, we, and I'm going to stop right here, Johnny, if I can, because, <laughs> Um, because I think, I believe, myself and visionaries and quantum physicists <laughs> and theorists, and I think our, the, the generation that's coming up right now know that we are, we are moving out of this era of civilization as we know it, mm-hmm. and what's to come is so good, but it feels mm-hmm. so difficult right now we are in a birth canal right now um you know all the tension the crisis the covid you know the political conditions Mm -hmm. that are happening all of the threats of nuclear uh, proliferation um the environment look at the weather patterns i mean we don't have to look too far to know that things are changing at a rapid speed and whether or not you believe it we all i think we all can sense and science is saying that we we don't know where we're going but we know we're on our way to someplace else my philosophy is i want to be squeaky clean when i get there i would need to be absolutely impeccable with my words my my and my thoughts because i don't want to poison the water hole when we get there i think we all want to show up in this new way in this new place mm-hmm in our absolute integrity and all that doesn't serve ourselves, right? When we're living mm-hmm. our truth, you know? And but but how do you do that when you've been duped in the system mm-hmm. of domination, you know? So I talk about that. Um and then the trust frequency. Oh, I talked about the bonding agents of mm-hmm. <laughs> of mm-hmm. the liminal odyssey being awareness and attitude and questioning assumptions. The trust frequency is the activating yeast. You know, it is mm-hmm. really recognizing these things and knowing that something better is coming. Know that something else is inside of us. Trusting ourselves, trusting that we live in a loving universe. Um, Definitely. And yeah, and then this also speaks to preparing ourselves to have that conversation on intergenerational trauma and behavior patterns, praying mm-hmm. and paying attention goes in part to the archetype is, well, why do I behave this way? Why do I respond this way? What, what is my, what is driving me to be this personality or respond this way or um, my, my reaction versus response, you know, to things, how I flip out when I get certain news. The more I practice this, the more I realize, oh, wait, I don't react. I respond. Um, mm-hmm. And also honoring our ancestors and our allies, those agents who have come along the way to <laughs> trip us up, to cause us heartache, to break our heart, to show us the way, and also the, one, the mentors who have showed up in our lives. Um, remembering mindfulness. And all of this brings us to honoring and fulfilling our planetary assignment. What are we here to do? And what happens is 
what gets disclosed to us, not told to us, mm-hmm. not handed to us, but discovered, we've excavated it from our own exploration, our own odyssey, our own liminal odyssey. What are we here to do? What can we only do with what we know, what we have in the life we've lived and the culture we live in? And that is something I can't tell you in a book. That's something mm-hmm. I can't give you. Um, yet uh, it's there for us. And we don't have a lot of time on this planet. <laughs> and yet everything we do here matters. Mm-hmm. And with our thoughts and with our deeds. True. Don't underestimate the power of your thoughts. Right. So true. Is the liminal odyssey a journey or a destination? Oh, it's definitely, if I had to pick between the two, it's totally a journey that's never-ending. As a matter of fact, when I started writing the book, I was looking at The Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell. Um, Mm -hmm. It's actually Carl Jung, um, based in other Greek philosophies, but Joseph Campbell, you know, popularized it, as did George Lucas, and you can look at any Disney movie and see the the storyline, the trajectory of the stories. You know, you meet your mentors. Mm -hmm. You've got this timeline, right? You have this adventure. (laughs) You think you're at the mountaintop, and then then she loses a slipper, you know? (laughs) And then her carriage turns into a pumpkin, and now, oh, shoot, now we got to go through this all over again in terms of finding our, you know, happy ending. And mm-hmm. so that the, the journey of our life is according to the hero's journey in this trajectory that's shown on a timeline, on a journey. It's, it's like A to Z. And even the hero's journey, you can Google the hero's journey. It's more of a spiral and it's got more feminine aspects. Both of those <laughs> theories fell flat for me. I realized, no, it's time for something new. And something okay. I cannot articulate, I won't even try, because where we're going, we don't know yet. That's part right. of being vulnerable in the space. We don't right. know. So I'm calling it an odyssey. Let's look mm-hmm. at it as an odyssey and, and, and be in that curiosity. Thank you for starting this, curios- this conversation with that question about curiosity. <laughs> oh, that means we don't know and we're willing and open for what's possible. And trust. It is right. Possible. Right, definitely, definitely. This is a perfect time to talk about what is Kairos time and why is it vital to a liminal mm. odyssey? Well, the Greeks measure time in two ways. Kronos time, which is the hours on the clock, the minutes in, a, in an hour. You know, we've got responsibilities. We have things to show up, but everybody operates, and this is how our system functions. Um, on a day-to-day basis, you know, the stock market opens and closes on in, in Kronos time. And that's, that's fine. That's what I consider the balance, the yin and the yang, compared to Kairos time. And recognizing Kairos time is, is um, what is considered, what Aristotle says, that Kairos time is the truth in which, the, the time in which the truth will be revealed. Kairos time for me, as an example, was when I had a heartbreaking experience, heartbreaking experience that led me on a, in a direction of my life where I am today when I was at, in high school. And mm-hmm. the, the truth was revealed 30 years later that I could never have manifested 
I could never have understood, I could never have done anything with. Had I not lived the life I lived in those last 30 years and prepared myself for the outcome. Mm-hmm. Trusting it, right? Trusting yeah. that. And this, you know, I just, I had a little, I had a heartbreak not that long ago. I really wanted this one thing to work out, and it didn't. And immediately, I, my heart hurt. Immediately, I crumbled to my knees. But then, in a hot second, I remembered, oh, wait, the truth will be revealed. That's because I've been practicing this stuff. That's that's because mm-hmm. I have been writing this book and in it. <laughs> so when you asked when did this concept happen for me, it yeah. happened for me because I was living it. I'm like, oh wait, what happens when we practice all of these things collectively? They mm-hmm. create their own medicine. When we practice forgiveness, our, our the sacred art of listening, understanding Kairos time, understanding the trust frequency. What happens when we practice those things in real time? I mean, um, collectively. Wow, when they show up, they show up in a in a power medicine mm-hmm. that surprises and delights. Very interesting, very, and very interesting. So I just have to say one more thing that's very important yeah. here. You don't need these twelve skills. You probably already have them. I right. think the twelve skills I've outlined and described are really important to look at. And perhaps you're already using them, but there's skills in here that I don't know that work for you, apply those too and look at right. your life in this way. It's not complicated. It's actually quite, quite easy right. and ultimately have fun with it. That's true. Well, these are things that I look at from a standpoint respectfully, a reminder that sometimes we take things for granted. And so having your book out there, sort of a, it's a wonderful, gentle reminder and that's what we talk about. The book in itself becomes that, uh, what I mentioned before, the silence in between conversations <laughs> where the real mm-hmm. connection happens. So as you take the book as that gentle reminder to kind of let you know, hey, don't look out there, don't look here, look within. And these are all the tools. And you already are aware of that and just this is a gentle reminder in many many ways right and when and don't pull those skills up when the moment you need them practice them in advance so they become part of your operating system right if the right. moment last week or the week before i was on my knees going why me victimizing <laughs> had i thought okay wait okay i have to remember what does it mean mm-hmm. to think this way no it immediately kicked in because my neurosystem remembered it right because my sympathetic and parasympathetic system reacted in a way mm-hmm. as part of my conditioning and it's simple practice it's just right. practicing them when you don't need them and then they show up when you do which is the most critical skills needed to decipher signs and synchronicities that appear in our path every day? Well, now you're asking me to pick my favorite child. So. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think that, you know, the sacred art of listening was alchemized when I understood trust. And trust mm-hmm. and sacred art of listening were alchemized when I understood forgiveness and with a touch of bliss. 
mean, mm-hmm. who would have thought to put those two together, right? Mm-hmm. The the um, and so I really come back to my my fav my most important skill. I think is really what happens when you when you look at them as a one big super skill. Mm-hmm. I did mention some that I consider you know important to the rest as as necessary for bonding agents, if you will, and the, that was practicing awareness. Really, really important. Although what you do when you're in that awareness requires those other skills, but awareness, questioning mm-hmm. assumptions, what, you know, paying attention, practice watching commercials on television <laughs> if you watch television. And I know this, uh, you know, millennial, millennials and um, uh, another generation coming up are watching so much streaming that they get different commercials than we grew up with, and I still watch on network TV. <laughs> but pay attention to what we're being fed on social media. Is that really what makes me happy, thin, and, and rich? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not it. And why? What's the story behind that? Oh, consumerism. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, the demise of our planet because they yeah. want us to go out and buy their plastic products or spend money to drive and have things shipped to us. And, you know, and what is the what is the impact on the next seven generations? So practice that awareness in those spaces and see what you come up with. So awareness, I would say, is, is you know, if I had to pick one, you could, mm-hmm. you're, you're, yeah, they're all alchemized with awareness questioning assumptions, checking your Very attitude, interesting. right? Very interesting. That That's good. really informs how you respond. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, when you look at life, okay, or in our decision-making process and so forth, there are only two equal but separate forces that governs all our decision-making process, love or fear. So what can you tell us about our fear and the liminal odyssey. I think we've been, you know, giving fear a bad rap for mm-hmm. way too long. Um, fear is there to protect us. Right. Fear is there to inform us. And fear can also be very slippery. Fear is a character, right? Think of mm-hmm. fear as a slippery villain in your story. But we always <laughs> learn from those villains, right? I've already said that. We are here, they're there to teach us something. And fear is no different. But fear can really be slippery because fear can show up cloaked in so many different formats or feel too big to take on. Mm-hmm. So... In the liminal odyssey, I encourage you to look at your fear in the eye and go, okay, what am I being protected from? What am I needing to learn here? I am still suffering from a condition of fear. Um, As of yesterday, you know, fear I'm not enough, fear, you know, of being rejected. I mean, these are are okay to feel and -hmm. allow ourselves. It's just part of the nature. It's part of our survival um, mechanism. Right? Mm-hmm. It was wired into us to keep our species alive. Mm-hmm. And so um, fear can be good, and yet it's gotten way out of balance. So I encourage my readers to, it, to take fear in bite-sized chunks. And the easiest way to do that 
is um, ask why. Um, why am I afraid? Well, okay, I'm afraid of being rejected. Why? Well, because of this. Well, why? And just keep whining yourself mm-hmm, mm-hmm, until you've got a little nugget you can, you know, put in the fire and go, okay. And it doesn't mean that it's going to go away. It just means now you're in control. Now you mm-hmm. can make informed choices. Now you are not being, you're not victim <laughs> mentality, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, that I, that's what, that's what the Limo Odyssey taught me about fear. And um, I used to teach a class on uh, for children called Make a Difference 101, a workshop. Mm-hmm. And I ended mm-hmm. up teaching to kids, to adults too. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it was like we did this exercise. It was a lot of fun because for you to discover who you are and what you're meant to do out in your community and your world and to make a difference, mm-hmm. we have to figure out what's stopping us. And it's fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all there is is love. And that fear is also love of holding on to that control. So in that way, I can say, yeah, there are two opposing forces, but really there's only love. Mm-hmm. And that helps so to remember and trust. <laughs> so true. So true. Do you have a recommendation as to the best way to read the Liminal Odyssey? You mean pick up the book and read it? Um, yes. <laughs> It's so funny you ask that question because I thought, you know, a, an author, a writer puts every ounce into every word. So I sure hope everybody reads it from beginning to end. <laughs> hey, especially my, particularly, and the reason I put giving thanks and gratitude, you know, the, where that place in your mm-hmm. book where you write the people that you thank, right. especially that because everyone I thank, it tells another story. But, um, but the introduction, I think, is really important because it kind of gets your arms around what this is, and then that's followed by the invitation. Um, and yet, of course, I expected everybody to read this beginning to end because they're building blocks. You know, these skills right. I mentioned, they build mm-hmm. upon one another. Ironically, it worked out that way when I told the story. There was only one occasion where I moved a cha- switch chapters around put one chapter in front of the other because it flowed a little better in terms of the lesson mm-hmm. I had to learn. But ironically, this whole book, just like I said earlier, it wrote me. So, yeah, I think there's value in reading it stem to stern. But I have heard in the just not even a year that it's been published and in the world that people mm-hmm. are picking it up and just opening up to any page and finding something that speaks to them. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, thrills and delights me, and I'm totally humbled by that. So I think it really just matters on how you absorb information. Mm-hmm. You know, read a chapter and see if it makes sense to you, and you're going to hear things that happened in previous chapters, but it may not matter to you. I don't know. I, I'm, I, pra- I operate in the I don't know and I'm okay with it <laughs> <laughs> a mode. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. yeah that, that. And, and please take some time. Hold this book in your hand and look at the front cover. Mm-hmm. There, every time I look at this artwork by Catherine Skaggs, and you can go to my website and zoom in on the, on the image yourself too, every time I look at this image, I discover something new in her artwork, which I did not notice when I first begged and pleaded for her mm-hmm. to do something she had never done before, and that was licensed as part of her, picture, uh, her, her artwork before. 
Um, and, and she had no choice because <laughs> I was crying and I told her I'd hold my breath till I turn blue because this is one thing I knew I needed this cover. And, mm-hmm. um, it was the only thing I was attached to in this whole book. So, um, yeah, please, that's another thing I encourage you to do is just take some time. And the, I will also share with the time that we have left that the audio book is coming out. And I had mm-hmm. reached out to my friend who's a Native American flute maker, and she plays in ceremony for all the indigenous grandmothers. That's how I know her. And um, and she's a genius musician, composer, and mm-hmm. um, her music is just stunning, you know, as far as indigenous flute music uh, you might <laughs> consider. And so I said, can I, you know, Jerry, her name is Jerry Little John, can I use... Um, one of your songs to lace through the chapters and Mm -hmm. she asked me to send her my book which I did and after reading it she discovered that she needed to create an album for this book Mm. and she has actually created flutes some a couple of maybe I think three or four flutes to get the right key Mm -hmm. for each chapter's energy I tell you Johnny so much has emerged so many have shown up Mm-hmm. So much magic, and um, uh, that's why I have no choice but to get out of the way and, and just because <laughs> <laughs> practicing this stuff makes you realize, oh, if you just step back and take some time, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, that space in between that or ma, you know, in that space in between, and allow this stuff to happen. Allow it to come with a sense mm-hmm. of on wonder. Watch what happens. I'm living it right now. I can't wait to see what comes up next. Beautiful. Where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about your events and workshops, and keep up with your latest happenings? Well, thank you for asking. LiminalOdyssey.com. You can find out more at sandyheart.com about other things I've done and other things you mentioned so generously. <laughs> you really covered my whole bio. Thank you. Um, and um, Sarah, the Women's Interfaith Grassroots Organization in our 20th year. I mean, it's just, I can't believe it. You know, if you've got children, you know how time flies, right? And mm-hmm. the same as when you start an organization and go, 20 years old, how is that possible? <laughs> And that's at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, the number four, hope.org. Or you just Google Sandy Hart, S-A-N-D-E.com. Or just Google my name. It immediately pops up, and you can find all of me at all of those places. Wonderful. Well, speaking about the various organizations you founded, please tell us how uh, they're doing currently in contributing to building a better world. Oh, thank you. Um, I think the root of all of these organizations and that I'm involved with that I choose to participate in is to empower and repower women. Um, I'm also just started working with an organization called Awake Your Inner Body, which is womb health. And that's at awakeyourinnerbody.com. I failed to mention that earlier. Um, And all of these things, all of these organizations, all of these efforts really invite us into discovering who we are through different methodologies and modalities, whether it's interfaith 
reconciliation and community building and understanding um, whether it's the compassion movement <laughs> and understanding really what compassion means or coming back into relationship with your body through awake your inner body. Um, uh, you know, all of these things ultimately do that. And where are we at with Sarah? Um, ironic, this is really cool. Every seven years, we take a break, which is interesting because we didn't plan it that way. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the almanac and how crops are in the soil and, you know, harvest, mm-hmm. things are harvest, everything is in cycles of seven. And when I noticed it was time for Sarah to slow down and really regroup and go within, like we're in, we're in the new moon era of our, you know, existence. This has happened a few other times before and all have been in the cycle of seven years, five to mm-hmm. seven years. So Sarah has slowed down, but we're still programmatic and we are still working in other collaboratively. Um, the the Awake Your Inner Body is up and coming and so exciting mm-hmm. and wonderful and really something new for me. Um, yeah, I think they're all we're all thriving. I think you know, invention is the uh, our. Um, crisis is the mother of invention and which is the something along the title of of the article i wrote for your magazine because it's time for women to step into our power and we do that by becoming impeccable and in our full integrity of who we are and integrity Mm -hmm. meaning our wholeness and that requires all kinds of ways of approaching it whatever works for you but do it because we are the ones we've been waiting for there you go. And so true. Kids are watching us, yeah. yeah. What's next for you? You know, I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. I really. <laughs> yeah, I Great answer. <laughs> you know, I have to operate in that way to be in my integrity. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I'm really getting busy with the, with the audio book, with Awake Your Inner mm-hmm. Body, just uh-huh. holding up all these things and the parliament of the world's religions whoosh mm-hmm. boy we're blowing the roof off of you know the patriarchy <laughs> where it lives and that's in the world's religions <laughs> at the parliament please go look at the parliament of world's religions.org and come it's in chicago this year every few years it moves i think next year mm-hmm. it's going to be in northern europe so mm-hmm. um yeah please check that out so a lot what's that's a loaded question so i'll just leave it at that <laughs> Very interesting. That's really wonderful. As we're coming close uh, to this hour, basically, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Mm. Follow your bliss. Yeah, I can't tell you what is in what ingredients are in your recipe. I can give you some really good. Um, recommendations. Those are the the skills that I mentioned. Yet, follow your bliss. What brings you happiness? And 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 practice discovering your planetary assignment. And if you don't know what that is, ask yourself why. And therein will lie those little shadows of fear that you can go to work on. 
you know, and take control mm-hmm. over and say, not today, Satan. <laughs> not today, fear. <laughs> not to, not, I shouldn't villainize fear that way. I take that back. But I was just having fun with you. But really, say, who's in control and why mm-hmm. aren't I? Mm-hmm. So true. Very, very true. Sandy, thank you for the beautiful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from my Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, November 16th at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Desiree Roy Antila. Desiree specializes in sun signs and astrological relationships. She has written numerous articles on matchmaking, cosmic timing, and forecasts. She teaches astrology classes in her local community and has conducted hundreds of natal charts and synastry readings. Desiree and I will be having conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, Sun Signs in Love, Relationship Compatibility by the Stars. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Sandy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you, Johnny. It's been a delight for me. It's been thank delicious. you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.